0: This is from John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord. But when Jesus heard it, he said,
1: Good job. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it.
0: Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples,
1: Let us go to Judea again.
0: The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were now
1: seeking to stone you, and you are going there again?
0: Jesus answered,
1: Are there not twelve hours of the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But... If anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him.
0: After saying these things, he said to them,
1: Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him.
0: The disciples said to him,
1: Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover.
0: Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly,
1: Our friend Lazarus, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him.
0: So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples,
1: Let us also go, let us also go that we may die with him.
0: This is the word of the Lord.
1: Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have that But even now, I know that where whatever you ask from God, God will give you.
0: Jesus said to her.
1: Your brother will rise again.
0: Martha said to him.
1: I know that he will rise again in resurrection on the last day.
0: Jesus said to her.
1: I am the resurrection and the life whoever believes in me, Though he dies, yet shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him,
0: Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is the gospel of the Lord. When Martha had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private,
1: The teacher is here and is calling for you.
0: And when she heard it, saying to him, if you, my When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit, and greatly troubled. And he said,
1: Where have you laid, laid?
0: They said to him,
1: Lord, come and see
0: Jesus wept.
1: See how he loved him.
0: But some of them said,
1: Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying?
0: This is the gospel of the Lord. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said,
1: Take away the stone.
0: Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him,
1: Lord, by this time there will be an omen, for he has been dead for days.
0: Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said,
1: Father, i thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say this on account for the people standing around that they may believe
0: that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice,
1: Lazarus, come out.
0: The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face unwrapped, wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to them,
1: Unbind
0: him and let him go. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans 1, verse 16 is a verse that many of us know. I bet some of you even have this as your confirmation verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel... For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. I want to focus on power of God. Right? The gospel is how God changes us. The gospel is how God changes the world. The gospel is how God overcomes sin and death and the devil to bring us righteousness and life and family with Him for eternity. Over the past eight or so years, I have been involved in leading what's referred to as discipling huddles. Small groups of of people think of the term huddle, right? It's uh, you're you're kind of going back, pulling back from the from the line for a minute, re- recovering, getting the play, so that you can go back up to the line, out to the world in this case, and continue life as a Christian. And and one of the things, the primary things that we do in these discipling huddles, these groups of say six or Eight people, as we take time to hear from God, we take time to listen to His Word, and so what we'll do in in these discipling huddles is, we'll we'll take a look at life and what what's going on. We talk about. Kairos moments. Uh, moments in life. It, it, uh, kairos meaning time, but not just like the ticking of the, t- of the clock, but sort of that, that big event in life. Some, some Kairos moments are really big, like the birth of a child or a wedding or a funeral. And other Kairos moments are just, eh, I got frustrated at, at work today. We can oftentimes tell what a Kairos moment is because our emotions are indicators that, oh wait, Something's moving and shaking right now. And although we can't trust our emotions, what we can do from there is turn to God's Word and to other people and take some time to process through, reflect upon our, what, what, what is happening. What am I experiencing? And then we can process together, analyze a little bit, dig a little deeper into this. And as we go through this process, the question I often ask always ask, at some point, is this. What good news is God saying to you? So someone has just talked about how they're having relationship struggles. Or someone has, is talking about how they, they are dealing with some health issues. Whatever the case may be, what good news is God saying to you? And what I've found over the years is that oftentimes the response from people, from good Christian people, people I know love Jesus, people who have been baptized into the faith, people who regularly worship, oftentimes when I ask the question, what good news is God speaking to you, I get this response, well, I should, or I need to lose a few pounds or make some phone calls or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I, wanna, I want to point out here, that is not the Christian gospel. Is it wrong? No. No. Yeah, sometimes we should do things, right? God's Word is full of all kinds of things that we should do in life to be good parents and good spouses and good children and good citizens and all that sort of stuff, right? There are plenty of things to do that we should do in response to the gospel, right? Uh, I'll say this. There's plenty of things that we should do, and that is the law, God's law to us. But God's law is different than the gospel. God's law points out our sins. Maybe it serves as a curb to kind of keep us going, generally speaking, the right direction. Maybe it's a guide for us in life. But it isn't the power of God. God, the gospel is good news. Hear all about it, right? Read all about it. <laughs> Here it is. What, what happens? I, I, the, the other day, Eden and I were talking about there was an avalanche over at Monarch Pass. And uh, there's two people who got out of the avalanche, but their dog, their dog was lost. And it was... It was kind of sad, right? Until a few days later, this dog miraculously survives several sub-zero nights and comes out of nowhere and he's good to go. Good news! What do I do? I read about it in the Summit Daily and then I told Eden about it. And now I'm telling you about it. Why? Because it's good news. We like to share good news. We like to hear good news. The Gospel... is good news. Not about what I do or you have done. The gospel is about what God has done, is doing currently, and will do again through Jesus Christ. The gospel, the good news is that God is for us. Past, present, future. God is for you today. That's good news. That's, that's You see, the, the motivation that we have to do the things we should do, it doesn't come from within. We don't have to just dig a little deeper. Try telling a, a depressed person, you just need to get on with life. Suck it up, buttercup. Yeah, right. That's not going to go super well. They need power, not from themselves, because they are broken at that moment. What do they need? They need to hear the power of God. This is the difference in in, uh, Christian counseling versus secular counseling. Secular counseling can give you all kinds of good tips about things, tricks you can do to maybe move forward in life. But they can't give you Jesus. The Christian gospel is all about Jesus. So our theme verse during the season of Lent is from 1 Peter chapter 3 here. Peter tells us, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That's the gospel, right? That's Jesus. And how are we going to be prepared to speak? Well, we need to be prepared to to hear the good news and understand, discern, am I hearing law or gospel at this moment? So these, these past few weeks we've been uh, starting to prepare. And our, the goal of this series, uh, The Gospel in Seven Words, the goal is that in a couple weeks we'll have each of us articulated the Gospel in a concise uh, manner that sticks and stirs. I talked about this last week. If you want to hear more, like follow our podcast and whatnot, and I, there's all kinds of information there you can catch up on a gospel that sticks and stirs so that as we're preparing for Lent or for the Holy Week, the greatest week in world history, as we're preparing our our hearts and minds to celebrate that, we're also preparing to share the gospel. Last week we started to look at some of the various metaphors for the gospel. I use this illustration, right, that the gospel is like a jewel and there are various different metaphors of the gospel that, depending on how you hold it, depending on how the light's gleaming on it, that really gleam and and shine forth and catch our eye, just like different facets on a jewel. Last week, what was our metaphor that we talked about? Anyone remember? I feel like I've failed. <laughs> I have not prepared. you. <laughs> loneliness, right? Yeah. Isolation and community are the two words I use. But yeah, loneliness, right? And Jesus gives us community together. Thank you for bailing me out, right? So... <laughs> So that is one metaphor of the uh, of, for the gospel. there's many metaphors for the gospel. We're going to be taking a look at a, another one today. And today, well, uh, let me just list off some of the various metaphors. I mean, there's darkness and light, captivity and freedom. That's next week. Lost and found. That's a metaphor for the gospel. Sickness and healing lies and truth, yeah. Today we're going to be looking at death and life. And so what I'm doing through this this time, through this series, is uh, I am being very, we're being very what's called dialogical, right? Like instead of just me speaking at you up here, i Need your feedback. If you don't give me feedback, this is going to be a very quiet and short sermon. <laughs> don't say that that's the way you want it. So um, so your participation is helpful. Hopefully one of these markers works. Let's talk about death. All right? What? Or when you hear the word "death, what is the next word that comes to mind for you nice and loud so i can so I can hear Resurrection. Resurrection. Uh, so you you life so you go you go to the to resurrect or to uh the gospel right away hey. that's a good good Lutheran right there, but before we get to the gospel, let's try to stick in. The heaviness, the brokenness of this world, right? Just for this exercise. So, death, loss. loss okay, loss—someone uh, who has gone before us. Uh, mourning, right? So, hmm, mourning. final, I was going to put finality, but then that's a lot harder to spell. So, final is good. <laughs> what else? Peace. Peace, okay. Can you flesh that out a little bit for me, Forrest? You're mm. going through some things really nice. Also,
1: you
0: feel that you've done everything, that you've tried to do everything before you leave. And, and I might just say that, kind of like Colby, you're saying these words because you're a good Christian, right? Because uh, you know the gospel. But if you aren't a Christian, but can that's you? Commonly, something people say when a family member dies. True. But true. True. Yeah. Whether or not they're Christian, they'll say. That. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, good point, Colby. So, the the question or the the point there is, peace is. Uh, a word that's thrown out, whether they're Christians or not. Now they're at peace. Rest in peace. We say that it's kind of a, a common saying. My question or my my pushback here and now. We need to be sensitive to the the time and the circumstance that we're speaking into. Right? If someone's just lost a loved one, might not be time to get. All uh, theological and stuff. Well, actually, did you know that some people are going to hell? Uh, You know, know, just saying. Like that might not be the right timing. But um, as Christians, I would say we have a reason for the hope that we have. Right? Uh, Using Peter's words. Right? Um, People can have hope, wish dreams, pipe dreams that just sort of. eh, I, I think there's a better place ahead in life, but we have a reason. That reason has a name. It's Jesus. <laughs> and so, uh, yes, good. This is this is good discussion. I don't know. Thoughts, comments, pushback. Anything else? Uh, when you when you hear the word death, what's the next word that comes to mind? Darkness. Darkness. Okay, so. There are people who, maybe spiritual, not religious, that uh, you know, kind of talk about peace in the afterlife. There are also people that, uh, hey, life's tough. Get a helmet. You die. You get to be part of the earth. Get over it. You know, like, and, and they don't have any hope. They don't even claim to have hope, right? Um, darkness might kind of capture that essence. So. Donald? Change for people who are left. On earth. Oh, yeah. So, so kind of going back to the the mourning yeah. aspect, right? But that death doesn't just impact the person who dies. Uh, in fact, in many ways, especially for the Christian, uh, if we experience death of a loved one, we know that they're in a better place with Jesus, but it hurts for those of us left behind, right? Yeah. Good, good. This is a good discussion. So, oh, I put down my remote somewhere. Here it is. Here's a a picture. Uh, This is... Death, right? You know, uh, Grim Reaper, dark, you know, t- talking about uh, darkness, mourning, sadness. All right. Let's look at Romans chapter six. I'm going to read verse 23 for us. Romans 6:23 For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That death isn't supposed to be here. Death isn't natural, if you will. Um, sometimes we think of death because we're so used to it, because that is what we know. That's our normal. We think of it as just kind of being part of the circle of life, right? For all those of, of you who like the Lion King, right? And I'm one of them, although I push on that a little bit, um, I think that there's a little bit more or that, that they're missing something when you're, we're talking about uh, death as just being part of the natural flow of events. What makes death so awful? I mean, this is the, the uh, Apostle Paul Says it's the wages of sin. We talked about loss, mourning, final darkness. So, what are what are the things that are that make death awful? Have you experienced the loss of a loved one? What are the feelings that kind of came from that? Anyone? Grief. Grief right. That's not a, an easy thing to process, right? Sorry, who said, did you say this? Oh, no, oh, Dan, yeah. Um, yeah, grief takes, takes time and you go through the loss and, and, and you expe- experience initial grief. Things are feeling fine and then the holidays come, right? And grief hits again, yeah. Any, anything else what makes death awful when it's someone younger mm. yeah. unexpected yeah. death right so there's there 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 are two two kinds of deaths right like and there uh, you know we got the younger person that's with an unexpected death went before their time we may say right we also have The death of someone who has lived a full life, many years, who spent time in hospice, many months. Uh, Eden's grandfather right now is dying. He's in hospice, and uh, he's a trooper. And so uh, he was told he was supposed to uh, be, uh, be with the Lord maybe back in the fall early winter, and he's still plugging away, and um, he's doing what he does, right? It hurts either way, right? Death is death. Sometimes it it can maybe shock us, or, uh, you know, I I was speaking to my neighbor, Charlie, a few days ago, and he said, yeah, in this, this past year, I've lost three friends in the county here. And they're all healthy. None of it was expected. And one friend was supposed to show up at, at some meeting, I think go skiing with friends, and they uh, asked for a wellness check. Police went and found his body. He was eating breakfast and had a heart attack. Um, sometimes death is particularly sudden. Sometimes death is long and drawn out and painful. And in Luther's day... The general thinking of the culture, this is, you know, 16th century, was they were hoping for a prolonged death so that they had time to repent <laughs> during that. Uh, so that is uh, different than today, whereas I think a lot of people think, I just want to go quick, right? <laughs> but I don't want it to be painful. And we do, as a, as a culture, we do our best to. Push death back, right? Put it in the hospice care units. We don't want it to be in the parlor anymore. (laughs) We don't want it to be front and center. So, uh, when you consider your death, so we're getting real personal now. When you consider your death, what words describe your thoughts and feelings? Do you think about your death, right? Maybe we, we try to stop thinking about that. Jim, I saw your hand. Distant. Distant, okay. Can you flesh that out for me? Yeah, I hope I have a long life. You, okay, so you, so you hope it's in the distance. Yeah, 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 very good. John, legacy. legacy. Okay, we'll what what we leave behind, the impact we had on our community, the the world. Yeah, uh, that's good. Preparedness. Preparedness. Can you tell me more? Are we ready? Are we ready? Are we ready for a sudden nightmare? Hmm. Anyone? Anyone else? Donna Lynn? Yeah, so let's, let's uh, talk about that, that peace that we as Christians have with death. You know, I've, I've heard even some Christians, well-meaning Christians, say, we sh- don't need to put tissues in the pews for a funeral service. We're Christians. We have the hope of the resurrected Christ. What are we crying about? To which I would quote scripture, Jesus wept. Jesus was about to resurrect Lazarus. Jesus specifically waited two days so that he could do this miracle. He says, It's good that I wasn't here so that I could do this for you and you can have your faith strengthened. Jesus knew Jesus was in control. Jesus spoke. Lazarus came forth. And yet Jesus still wept. He wept. I. I don't know exactly what was happening inside of our Lord, of course, but I know something Something that makes me sad about death is seeing how it makes other people sad. Seeing that mother who's climbing into the casket of her child that she has to bury, like that's brutal, right? Um, I know... something, a privilege that I have experienced younger, maybe 10, 15 years ago, as I was starting ministry, there was a woman in the congregation I was serving who was dying of ALS, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, and it was brutal, right? And her husband was faithful regularly on his knees by her bedside as she's passing, and I went to visit and it was all I could do to hold it together and give them communion. I come out, I'm breaking down. I call Eden. I love you so much, you know. Like, and I'm so thankful that I, at whatever 28, got to see that, experience that because I know that a lot of people don't see that. And you're young and you're healthy and you kind of have that invincibility mentality the reminder that death is real, it's painful, it's awful. Uh, that was, for me, helpful at that time, just to keep life in perspective. Right. So. Any other thoughts or feelings about your own death before we move on? Yeah? Have I been a good and faithful servant? Ha- uh, yeah. So looking at Matthew 25, the separation of the the sheep and the goats kind of thing, Lord. <laughs> yeah, the t- Yeah, w- Lord, help us to do the best that we can do between now and when we die or you return. And yet, I would also speak into that, that I think of a third day song, uh, forget the name of it, but uh, it, it talks about how Uh, on that last day when we're asked at the pearly gates what we have done his response is i trust in jesus (laughs) right that's because that's all we got because if we start playing that game too much and looking at have we done enough no you haven't but jesus has right so uh there's the gospel again right the comfort that we we enjoy as uh, as a, a gift from our Lord. A Little Bible baseball, a little trivia here. Can you think of people in the Bible whom God raised raised from the dead? Lazarus. You gotta say it right. But yes, if someone didn't say Lazarus, I would I would quit right. <laughs> so, uh, no. Uh, let's see. Uh Lazarus, Gyrus's daughter. Yeah. Uh no. There we go. Um of course Jesus Oh, yeah. No, no. So, yeah, going to uh, Old Testament, Second Kings, right, where, the, and we don't, I don't think we could get a name, but uh, there one point where, oh, was it Elisha lays his body across the child and brings it back, brings it back to life. So, don't, Second Kings, I don't know, 13, something like that. So, yeah, very good. Very good. With, yeah, yeah. So, widow... Of Feth. <laughs> yeah, something like that, right? When, and was it was it the widow or the widow's daughter? No, the son. son. Yeah, there you go. Okay, yeah, thanks. Talon? And I know this is weird, but to me, having experienced this
2: kind of with my autoimmune disease, the guy that um, Jesus took all the leprosy away, because his whole life, was revived and changed. Hmm. To me, it was a
0: resurrection. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying there. Like, so we we often think of death in the most literal physical terms. Heartbeat stops. Right? Is that right, doctor? So, um, but uh, but death death is uh, illness as well, right? And so, what that what the the leperous in Jesus' day were would experience loss of Community, loss of purpose, loss of family, loss of of light, like, whew, it's a lot of the stuff that we had described when we think about death. Awful, right? Darkness, right? Loneliness, uh, all that. So yeah, yeah. I like I like where you're going with that, Donovan. Yes. All right. And I was waiting for someone to say that. Eutychus, right? Eutychus, uh, here's another one that's going to challenge me. Eutychus, I think. Um, and Eutychus, why did he? Why did he die? Because pastor was preaching too long and he fell out of the third story window and uh, he died. Right. <laughs> Fortunately, Paul was able to go down and uh, resurrect him. But so there, there's one other in the book of Acts. Eutychus, can it? Dorcas, right, Dorcas, or Tabitha, right? So, um, yeah, so, and that that was uh, Peter in, oh, let's see, was it uh, Caesarea or somewhere in that direction, right? So, yeah, very good, very good memory. So, well, I'm sorry? I thought I heard something. So, um, yeah, so we see here, the other one, not a specific person, but at least a, a vision that Ezekiel had in Ezekiel 37 is the Valley of Dry Bones, where speak to those bones, breathe on these bones, and ligaments started coming, and flesh and sinew and spirit came back in. So that that was more of a vision of the corporate resurrection, right? So, so resurrection is a theme throughout Scripture. Yeah, and so good. All right. Um considering these things, so what what are the things that makes a Christian funeral maybe different than a secular funeral? Celebration. Hmm. Celebration. And and kind of riffing off what Colby said, like not, whole, not just a wishful thinking celebration, but based in concrete reality. Based in the fact that our Lord Jesus himself was resurrected from the dead on Easter morning. And that by being baptized into his name, by being baptized into his death, by being baptized into his resurrection, we too have eternal life. That's good news to me. Yeah. What else What makes a Christian funeral different than a secular funeral? Any, any other thoughts? It's not the final chapter, chapter, right? Oh, yeah, so, uh, yes, reunion, right? That's a huge theme of, of Scripture. So eternal life, you know, sometimes we just think babies on clouds and diapers floating in eternity for happy ever after, right? No, no, no. Eternal life is more real, more tangible, and we talked about this a few days ago, a few weeks ago with the transfiguration when Peter recognized Elijah and Moses. I say that's a a strong indication that we will recognize people who have gone before us in the faith. I mean, Elijah and Moses lived hundreds of years before Peter was ever alive and he still figured it out, right? So good, uh, good hint there in, in my, the way I understand it. So yeah, good. I, yeah, yeah, I can't wait to see, um, you know, I, I haven't lost a lot of people in my life, close. You know, the day is coming, death is, does what, he's, what it does, minus Jesus returning. But there's one in particular, Devin Smith, played t-ball with him when I was in elementary school, kindergarten, first grade, whatever, he died from cancer. It was brutal, and I know he loved Jesus. And I can't wait to see Devin again. That's going to be a really, really good day. right? Um, also, uh, you know, between our, our children, Joy, and Isaac, uh, we, we did walk through a miscarriage, and I look forward to seeing my fourth child. I don't know, boy or girl, I'm not sure. But I look forward to meeting that child in, in the new heavens and the new earth. That'll be a really good day, so... Any other thoughts? Yeah, Marilyn. Seeing Jesus face to face and seeing the glory. I can't wait to get a hug from Jesus. Like, I know he's with us, but he's going to be with us in a different way, physical way, in the new creation, right? Being able to look Jesus in the eye, uh, that's going to be awesome. So, yeah. Dallin.
2: Midst of having the fear of suffering, um, the the picture that Marilyn painted is what I see the most. So even if I'm, because all these things coexist at a funeral, you you can remember, especially with my mother, staying beside her bedside and what she went through, um, but then putting ashes in the ocean. You know they're, they they coexist, and because we're human, but that peace will override eventually. Um, all of that. that mm. experience pain and loss. And, I, and the things trigger my mom all the time. Sure. And, um, but I'm
0: the peace is what, what is above all of that. I, I like to think, I well, I think we, we get a, a tiny glimpse of this, I, at least in my, my experience. I feel like I... Um, one of the gifts of the gospel is that the crummy days in the past, I can kind of forget about that. We look at old pictures of of our kids when they're little. We don't remember how hard those days were when, like, we weren't getting any sleep, or uh, when they were going at each other, whatever the case was, throwing tantrums, all that stuff. But we were. But we look at these pictures and we remember. Ah, oh, they were so cute, right? <laughs> I kind of like to think that death and the pain of this world is is sort of going to be like that that it's almost like just like a bad dream a nightmare that we had and it's like was it was that real? I don't know, but it doesn't we don't feel it the way that we've we won't feel it the way that we we currently can in this this broken world, right? Let's see if I uh, Sorry, just checking my notes. Let me read a few statements for us. I'll say it. I'll read it. I need someone to tell me who said it. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Who said that? Church, there's one right answer. Yeah, right. I'm going somewhere with this. Just Jesus, right? Um, here's another one. If I have come that I uh, I have come that they may have life. Again, Jesus, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, All right. So Jesus is the, the source of, of life that uh, we have. Uh, let me read for us from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I tell you this, brothers flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed, right? So not everyone's going to die. There's going to be people alive when Jesus returns, but we'll all be changed, right? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? I love how it's like taunting death. It's like looking at the grim reaper and be like, what you got, dude? Nothing, right? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So what is more certain than death? We say this, nothing certain in life except death and taxes. Well, there's something actually more certain than death. What's that? Resurrection, right? The return of Jesus. Amen. When will death be destroyed? When Jesus returns, ultimately. And how does this impact our lives today? Well, because we're able to live free of fear, free of worry. We're able to live with hope, knowing that even if this doesn't turn out the way I'm planning Jesus has got my back. That's good. <sighs> I can keep going, but let me just share this last uh, this last story. Um, psalm one eighteen was Martin Luther's favorite psalm. Luther, of course, Luther the reformer, not Luther, the uh, civil rights, not, you know, Martin Luther King Jr., right, the civil rights activist, although he's named after Martin Luther. Luther says this, he said, This is my own beloved psalm. Although the entire Psalter of all Holy Scripture are dear to me, is my only comfort and source of life, I fell in love with this psalm especially, therefore I call it my own. Luther's personal motto in life was was verse 17 of Psalm 118. Some some historians even say that he carved it on the wall in his study. I'm not sure if that's true. Sometimes you know, like did did they the, the uh, 95 theses actually get nailed to the church door in Wittenberg, or did he just use a piece of tape? You know, did did <laughs> did Luther meet with Zwingli and write? Esta, you know, this is my body, right? They're quoting, you know, talking about communion at that point. Maybe he carved it, maybe not. Whether it is, that's certainly how it's been handed down to us. And Psalm Psalm 8, one eighteen verse seventeen says this: "I shall not die, but I shall live, and recount the deeds of the Lord." Pretty good. 15 words, <clears throat> so uh, not, not quite seven, but if I were to uh, bo- boil I, this down, Jesus conquered death and gives us life. Amen?